0: Episode
1: 5, Phony In South Bend, Indiana, Gerald Libertowski builds up a rap sheet, which is only fully revealed until it's too late. An automaton in pursuit of criminal activity.
2: May 1966, Linda Banfi reported Gerald Libertovsky to local police. Complaints are for reckless driving and intimidating. A witness, Gerald Libertovsky, is married and having an affair with Linda Banfi, who is also pregnant with his child. January 1971, Elsie Olds Cadillac Elkhart, Indiana reported an auto theft of a
0: 1967 Cadillac DeVille Green with white vinyl top. Shot. In May 1976, Myron Huntsberger, Gerald Libertowski, business associate, testified under oath that he and Jerry Libertowski stole a green and white 1967 Cadillac DeVille.
1: October 1973, Joe Basker reports his Corvette with a smashed door, smashed rear end, busted windshield sliced convertible top. Jerry Libertowski admits he caused the damage during a meeting at the local prosecutor's office. They settle the matter with a payment arrangement. In May 1976, Joe Basker testifies this under oath. January and February, 1975. Action Line, a consumer report section of the South Bend Tribune reports several complaints against A and B Builders, a construction contract company owned by Gerald Libertowski. Leaking roofs, unfinished windows, no-shows, and unanswered phone calls were just a few of the complaints. July nineteen seventy five. Thomas Sanders stated that he has known Jerry Libertowski for twelve years, and that he
2: knows Libertowski to have a hot temper. Having seen Jerry get angry with
1: his own father, and swung a hammer, which nearly struck Libertowski's father, but the father ducked, and Jerry missed. July nineteen seventy five. Janice Hodgera provided a statement to police that she dated Gerald Libertowski in 1965, and became pregnant by him. She later learned he was a married man. She learned he was also dating Linda Banfi. She stated all three women were pregnant by Libertowski at the same time. August 1975. Law enforcement officer talked to a witness who personally knew that Janice Langs had stated on two occasions that her boyfriend, Gerald Libertowski, was going to kill her.
2: August 1975, Marsha Shriver dated Gerald Libertowski in 1970. She was unaware that he had a wife during this time. She described Libertowski as a man who drank more than usual, took pep pills and was a very convincing liar. I will bet he could lie during a lie detector test and beat it. She also remarked that he was a very jealous and possessive person, and her final comment was that he was generally a weird one.
1: August 1975, Patricia Piasecki stated she knew Jerry and Doris Libertowski about 4 years. She stated that Doris would describe Jerry as mean, hot-tempered, and would frequently beat her. Patricia feels that Doris was deathly afraid of Jerry. April, 1976. Voluntary Statement by Libertowski's First Wife, Doris Tucker.
0: Quote, He choked me twice, once at home and once at his mom and dad's house. Unquote.
1: On another occasion.
0: Quote, I knew he had a gun. I called the police out because I had a restraining order against him. He started choking me, and then just all of a sudden he stopped. And then he thought it was funny because he could have killed me. He bragged that he could get away with something if he really wanted to and never get caught, unquote.
1: On another occasion...
0: Quote, Janice Hojira had a car that got burned. He had an alibi for that, but she and I know, and a lot of people know, that he did it, unquote.
1: On another occasion.
0: Quote, in 1967, I had a blank gun, and I had the tear gas pellets for it, too. It disappeared while we were separated before our divorce. I had a beauty shop, and Jerry came to shop. I went to the back, to the back door and he had the gun pointed at the back door and fired it at me." Unquote.
1: On another occasion.
0: Quote, in 1972, I told him I was leaving him. The only way I would say is if he went and saw a psychiatrist. He refused. I had a sewing room set up in the back of the house. I had my flax draped over something. Someone poured acid all over my flax and into my sewing machine and in the gears. I took my slacks to wash, and they just disintegrated. And the polyester ones melted together, unclosed.
1: It's the mid-1960s and Gerald Jerry Libertowski is married, works as a construction contractor, and of course drives a race car for a group of teenage boys down at the South Bend Motor Speedway. A man of destitution who exercises his power and sway over the inexperienced and the trusting. He's in his mid-twenties Married with a child on the way, he's also having an affair with a woman who is also carrying his child. The young boys who rely on his talent to drive their race car around the track have no preconceived notions about his personal life. My grandpa Sanders has a career in the construction industry, and my dad follows in his footsteps. Through this channel, Jerry infiltrates the Sanders family with his charisma, mechanical skill sets, and commonality of the construction business. He likes to dress sharp and show off his latest pickup truck and, of course, Cadillacs. He's become a, quote, friend of the family, but not a close friend, unquote. Jerry used the pep in his step to keep others on their toes when it came to his private life.
0: You ain't nothing but a hound dog, you all the time. You ain't nothing but a hound. They said you was high class, well that was just a lie. Yeah, they said you was high class, well that was just a lie. Yeah, you ain't never caught a rabbit, and you ain't no friend of mine. In
1: 1967, my dad was home on leave from basic training. And before being deployed to Korea during the Vietnam War. My mom and he reconnected and decided to get married before he shipped out. Many of the family were against the decision but they went ahead and had the marriage anyway. I think the term is shotgun wedding. ¡Vamos atrás! I personally cherish the photo memories of this union. For a shotgun wedding, it had a decent amount of design and preparation. A bit of a storybook, overseen at the neighborhood Ardmore Church, and a blessed union by God.
0: Why do I have to go home and talk to mom or dad for you? It's because Jim and I want to get married, I stopped in the middle of the street. Now, Donna, I'm in the middle of the street. Let's get across the street. So we got across the street, and I said, how long has this been going on? Still for a while, we just want to make sure it was a real thing. I said, I'm not going home and talk to Mom or Dad. You are going home and talk to Mom or Dad, you and Jim. So they did. They got <laughs> so, together. Yeah, they, she went so back you, home.
1: You kind of thought they were just friends, right?
0: Well, we all did. Mom, your grandma, your grandpa, I did. I just thought they were friends. But they had actually started liking each other. They just didn't want to say anything to it, they said they wanted to make sure it was a real thing. And when they were sure it was a real thing, that's when they let it out.
1: You remember the wedding? remember
0: the wedding, yeah.
1: My mom, Janice, of course, shined brightly in her wedding gown. And my dad looked young and sharp in his army uniform
2: she wore a short sleeve crew necklace embroidered princess gown scallop edge long train a full shoulder length veil with attached tiara
1: Thankfully, the bride and groom, along with family, friends, and a small congregation, were not subjected to any fire and brimstone when the best man crossed over the threshold. Gerald Casimir Libertowski. The insidious boogeyman of chaos and ruin lurked in the shadows of the Holy Sanctuary. Medium-length blonde hair with blue eyes, six foot one, 205 pounds, with a large frame body. He's a character of emotional immaturity. No close friends, due to his lack of social aptitude and a compulsion to obsess over details. Since he's cloaked his devious tactics and slinked into the trusting lives of those around him, his conniving machinations allow himself to be chosen as a man that can, quote, stand up for my dad, unquote. Or we now call them, quote, a best man, unquote. How in the hell could this be possible? You ask? It's possible because, quote, all my buddies were gone or unavailable due to the war, so that left me with one person for a best man, and that was Jerry LeBertowski. Little did I know this was the beginning
3: Two hundred million Americans did not strike down Robert Kennedy last night any more than they struck down President John F. Kennedy in nineteen sixty three or Dr Martin Luther King in April of this year. But those awful events give us ample warning that in a climate of extremism, of disrespect for law, of contempt for the rights of others, violence may bring down the very best among us. And a nation that tolerates violence in any form cannot expect to be able to confine it to just minor outbursts. My fellow citizens, we cannot. We just must not tolerate the sway of violent men among us. We must not permit men that are filled with hatred and carelessness of careless of innocent lives to dominate our streets and fill our homes with fear. We cannot sanction the appeal to violence no matter what its cause no matter what the grievance from which it springs. There is never And I say never any justification for the violence that tears at the fabric of our national life, that inspires such fear in peaceful citizens that they arm themselves with deadly weapons, that sets citizen against citizen, or group against group. A great nation can guarantee freedom for its people and the hope of progressive change only under the rule of law. So let us, for God's sake, resolve to live under the law. Let us put an end to violence and to the preaching of violence.